What's up, Story Geeks? Welcome to The Mandalorian Show on the Story Geeks Talk Disney+. Plus. I'm Jay Shear, author of the time travel novel Time Slingers, and with me to dig deeper into this spoiler-filled show covering Episode 8, the finale of Season 1 of The Mandalorian, two Story Geeks who are still fighting over who gets to wield the Darksaber. Mandalorian armor, Victoria Fox. How are you, Tori? That's beautiful. Thank you so much. She is my favorite <laughs> ever. I am so good. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty awesome. I have to admit, she's an amazing character. I like. I'm obsessed. I can't get over it. Oh my god. Uh, absolutely. And then Grand Moff De Leon. What is up, Ray? <laughs> I'm, watching, I'm, I'm the evil one. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you get to be the evil one for today. Yeah. yeah. But uh, is anybody? Spoiler, I survived. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But is anybody really good or bad in The Mandalorian? That's the other question that we had to ask. Huh? Um, so I'm glad you guys are with me. Uh, Tori, you've been on a number of different shows. Uh, Ashley was supposed to join us, but we're just having te technical difficulties there. So uh, Ashley, thanks for joining me on a bunch of these shows as well. And Ray, this is your first appearance on The Mandalorian show. That is correct. On The Mandalorian. Welcome. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Ray's been on our other channel before, so you've heard him. He is one of our Story Geeks Club members, and we always appreciate it when the club members can join us. So thank you for being here, Ray. Thank you for having me. First question I have on here for you guys, and I'll start with you, Tori. On a scale of one to Darksaber, what do you rate this final episode of season one of The Mandalorian? Oh, 10 dark sabers. I thought it was so good. And I know I say that. I feel like I give the highest rating every time, but like really this one was oh, so good. I loved everything about it. It ended on a really good note too. I thought I kind of had this feeling that it was going to be like baby gets stolen away last second and they're separated or something really, really horrible. So the ending to this, I thought was pretty Leaves a lot to the imagination, but I'm not going to be like having panic attacks for the next year, you know? Right. About the baby, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> that would be terrible, right? Like, like yeah, if, the, if something happened to yeah. the baby, oh we God. had to go like for a whole oh. year. Oh, man. Like yeah. waiting to find out. Yeah. No, thank you. That's why I'm glad they didn't do that. That would be like. <laughs> yeah. John Favreau would have to like issue a statement <laughs> or something to people and be like, by the way, here's what actually happened. <laughs> Otherwise, people would oh lose God. it. Yeah, I'd be tweeting every day, like, is the baby okay? Is he okay? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ray, what did you think? Scale of, um, of one to Darksaber, where do you land? I also give it uh, 10 oddly lit CGI Darksabers. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. This is this is amazing. This is a great episode of television. This is uh the way you would want to end season 1. It promises more uh things to come, but it wraps up a lot of storylines that we kind of wondered where they were going to go. We still have the larger mystery which we'll jump into. Um and we still have, you know, major things to be accomplished, but the whole setup of this season 1 has been phenomenal. So, uh, I'm with you guys. Complete dark saber here for me. Um but but the show starts with one of the most disturbing scenes in the history of television. <laughs> Oh and my so, God, right? and by the way, so if you guys didn't know this, Jason Sudeikis, another comedian, we've talked about this on past shows. A lot of comedians show up in this in this series. Yeah, it's always look for the comedian now. That's what it is. Exactly, try, try find and the find the comedian in the episode. <laughs> exactly, I like that game. Yep, take a drink. Whoever finds the whoever finds the comedian gets to take a drink. Um, so 
on a scale of Jason Sudeikis, who plays one of the scout troopers, who is literally punching Baby Yoda. I mean, can you get any more villainous than that? That is awful. You really can't. Like, horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst human being of all kinds. So on a scale of Jason Sudeikis to, and obviously we know that it's not the real Jason Sudeikis. It's just, he's just acting. But still, Jason, you took the role. So on the scale of Jason Sudeikis to IG-11 <laughs> as a nurse droid, how does season one as a whole rate for you? And I'll start with you, Ray. Um, okay, so two-part answer. IG-11, 100%, I couldn't have asked for anything better. I think if you would have asked anyone what they expected, I think I probably had to surpass everyone's expectations. Mm. Second part is my question to the two of you is, is it considered child abuse because he's baby Yoda or is it elder abuse because he's 50 years old? <laughs> that is, that's an excellent Child question. abuse because he's still a baby. He still can't. I still haven't heard him speak a word. It's child abuse. I'm going to go with the correct answer, both. And we have to just erase Jason Sudeikis. Okay, yeah, we just have to fair. arrest him, take him to jail. He needs to sit in an imperial pre prison being stabbed by the interrogation droids. That's what we need from Jason Sudeikis. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh what about you tori what do you think what is this where does this rate as a show for you i mean i feel like my answer is clear like it's perfect i love it <laughs> i've just been like so impressed you know i hearing about the show and getting so excited about it and going to the panel and like hearing about it and i this kind of seemed like it was everything that i've ever really wanted to see out of star wars and um it surpassed every like hope I could have like I, I didn't really have many expectations going in but it definitely like has gone further than anything I could have ever thought of so I'm super happy yeah very good yeah I'm, I'm can't I'm wait for more I hope there's like 10 more seasons ahead oh yeah me too I hope they just keep going um and I'll, and I'll probably I'll, I'll probably want an ending at some point in time but I want them to start like kick off new series like we'll talk about this later but like there's so many different things that you, they could show me that I'd be so happy about in awesome. regards to this. heck yeah yeah totally um, so I'm, I'm, this is one of my favorite shows of all time. I, I've been talking, I've been saying on, uh, on Twitter, I don't know if I've said this on a past show, maybe last week's show, I said this with Daryl, but if you said to me, we're going to do a Western starring Boba Fett, only it's a better Boba Fett. I'd be like, oh, I'm in on that so much. And then they've just pulled it off. It's like, it's like an amazing show. And I, uh, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm super stoked about it. So it's one, it's going to be one of the best shows of all time, in my opinion. Now, the name of episode eight was Redemption. And Tori and I talked about this on a previous show, how we wanted to go through. I think Ashley was with us. We wanted to go through and look at the names of each of the shows and just comment on them. Um, so I want to do that now. I'm going to go back through and we're going to stop after each at the, after the name of each um, show and just kind of ask ourselves, like, well, what? why was it named that? And some of them are super obvious. So it's going to be a really short conversation. But then others of them are like, well, what does this even mean? So uh, the the first show was actually unnamed. I don't think that you can find a name for the first show if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, it's just chapter one. Chapter one, yeah. Just chapter one, yeah. So yeah. Uh, kind of, they don't give you any information in that, which is kind of cool in and of itself, right? Like, there's yeah. no spoilers. <laughs> I think, yeah, well, I exactly. I, I feel like if it was called The Child or whatever, let's just say that's what it was called, because that's kind of what it was leading up to or whatever. I feel like the whole time I'd be like, where's the kid? Where's the kid? Like, you know what I mean? So I like that it was just chapter one, short and simple. Exactly. Kind of it out there. Exactly. And then they I named it 
wait for it and that would have been good <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, exactly or guess the comedian that could have been the first one too <laughs> um so the episode two is named the child, the child and i think the reason for that is fairly obvious right like we're introduced to the child in that episode um yeah officially it, yeah any other insights into that from you guys in terms of the name of the show i think it's pretty straightforward i think it's definitely just representative of him Really getting to know the kid. I was gonna say I think they had they named it that because they kind of had to have something for everyone to call it throughout the rest of the show because there would have been uh, there's all kinds of fan fiction. I think I called it the Yoda Lorian at one point after that episode. <laughs> yeah. So I think at least they gave even though everyone, no one goes by that name. It seems like that they gave it a name for the rest of this that season. Yeah, I would love to see the, uh, the behind the scenes documentary on the making of this show. And if they had any clue what the cultural phenomenon surrounding the child was going to be like, as soon as they introduced this character, my wife literally cannot watch the show without squeeing every single time he's <laughs> on the screen. Like it, whether he's, if he's hurt, she's almost in tears. If he's happy, she's just super happy. Like, the audience's emotions kind of follow Baby Yoda's emotions in some way. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And every time he shows his little teeth, I'm just like, teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His froggy yeah, so teeth. Tiny. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so cool. And he got to bite that one guy in uh, one oh, of the stormtroopers. So, so that was awesome. Um, now, the next episode after that is actually a little bit, I want to dig into that a little bit more than some of the others because uh, it. I'm not sure exactly where they're going with it. So the next title of episode three was The Sin. So what do you guys think of that title? Like, what is that even referring to in regards to it being called The Sin? Why don't you start first, Tori? Um, I would say mainly the thing, obviously, that first comes to mind would be um, him kind of going back on his kind of sworn mm. creed or whatever as a bounty yeah. hunter, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the biggest one. I feel like it could be interpreted different ways, though. I feel like um, maybe if you look at it a certain way, it could be a sin that he was accepting, like, imperially marked um, Beskar. Right. So I feel like there are different things that can kind of play into that as well. But obviously, I think the main one is the, you know, going back for baby and breaking yeah. the code. <laughs> right. What do you think, Ray? What do, what do, how, yeah. how does that title sit with you? I definitely agree with that. That was my first thought when I read that question is that he's going and is, you know, going to back to episode eight. And he says that being a Mandalorian is a creed. And I think that's so ingrained in him that going against his creed, it has to feel like a sin to him. So mm. the fact that he was mm. yeah. doing what he's never done, you know, it's so foreign to him that if he's followed this, you know, this is the way for them. And he's, they follow that path and all of a sudden he's going another way. And now, now that's the way. Hmm. I like that. I like that kind of connotation of the right decision, the the good decision being what's called the sin in his eyes. Like, oh, I sh I'm doing this this thing that I shouldn't be doing, but it's actually the right thing to do by saving the child. Right. Um, the only I, I actually wasn't even going down, down that direction, that path at all, because I wasn't relating it to the Mandalorian. I was relating it more to the concept of the show being like uh, Werner Herzog's character. Um the client going after baby Yoda and trying to extract from baby Yoda, the whatever they're trying to extract, which we don't still don't know yet. Um, I thought that that was kind of like, this mm. is the sin that this whole thing is wrapped up in is them, them mm -hmm. trying to abuse the child. Um, 
Yeah, so it's interesting. Now, the re- now, one of the reasons why I wanted to spend some time there was, one, it wasn't super obvious to me. And I, I love your guys' insights on it because that's really interesting to me. And then, two, once we get to episode eight, like which we'll get to, we're not going to go into it right now, but it's called redemption. So it's kind of like, well, okay, if that if what was the sin and then what has been redeemed from the sin? Like, that, what, how did we get to redemption? Which is interesting, an interesting connotation mm-hmm. to me. Um, additionally, I think, because I just had this thought, because I have been thinking about the last episode's name, mm. uh, redemption and all of that. And I was like, you know, redeem. What's he redeemed from? I think the sin could also be interpreted as him leaving the child and deciding that it was okay for him to, like, Ooh, excellent point. Yeah. You're right. That episode is that way. That episode is that way. So that is really, really interesting. Yeah, that's when great. He left that he he could I mean, I obviously can't see facial expressions, but he looked very conflicted about seeing him float away through that door. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. That's really good. Um in fact, if I was just going to stop there and say which of the answers is probably the the right one in terms of, I think first of all they're all right answers, but I would say that um, because I think all of the themes were weaved in there um, in everything that we said. However, I think that might have been the intended one. Now that we've talked through it a little yeah. bit, because um, like yeah, okay. So then we'll move on to episode four, which is actually called Sanctuary. So that one's kind of on the nose in in many regards. What did you guys think of that? Yeah, I would say pretty straightforward. Again, yeah. it was kind of the the location and the setting and all of that, and kind of that idea of that like maybe he could have peace and could have you know a sanctuary, but obviously that's by the end of the episode kind of uh, taken away. But yeah, yeah. What do you think, Ray? I think yeah, pretty straightforward. But I also think uh, throughout the through the course of the episode when he's realizing that he could maybe live leave the the child there. That it's, in a way, it's his sanctuary too, because if he leaves him, he can go back to the life that he's used to. So mm, mm. he's no longer in charge of this child, and he can go back to being the Mandalorian, the bounty hunter, and living his life by himself, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's a concept with sanctuary that's really interesting because uh, that that place is like showcased in the beginning of that episode. So so for for those of you who can't remember the episode, the sanctuary episode is where they he visits another planet and there's this like community of people that are being terrorized by um some other some other tribe of people that have a an ATST. And what's interesting about that to me is when we see that original tribe, the peaceful tribe in the first minute of the show, uh, it looks like a sanctuary, but it soon turns into not a sanctuary. And it kind of, even after the Mandalorian and um, Cara Dune uh, help save that tribe, it still doesn't feel like a sanctuary because uh, he can't stay there because he's going to be under constant threat of some bounty hunters coming through and, and trying to murder, murder the child or take the child. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, even in a place where there is sanctuary, there will never be any sanctuary for him, which is really a really fascinating concept, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Episode five was called The Gunslinger. Um, and I, and I can you guys pull anything out of that other than the fact that they just wanted to put the nail in the coffin on it being a Western? <laughs> is <laughs> is there any know. other thing? Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you weren't sure, here's the, uh-huh. here's the, the, he hits you on the head with it. 
What do you guys think? If they had a galactic tumbleweed, that probably would have been the only thing they could have. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. By the way, we need to, right now, we need to go trademark galactic tumbleweed (laughs) just to make sure we can... (laughs) We have it before Star Wars gets it. What do you think, Tori? Do you think there's anything else to that episode's name? Um, I, I do. I think it's just the. I, I think it's being pretty straightforward. This one seemed like, um, which I do like. I feel like the show is a nice balance of like kind of one-off conflict of the week mm. episodes, but then they all you also have that overarching, um, big problem and big conflict that's arising. Um, yeah. so this one to me, yeah, I think Gunslinger's pretty on the nose. Just kind of a. Like you said, just a very classic Western-like episode. Yeah. Kind of gave you something a little extra. So that was actually, believe it or not, one of the ones that I did not like. Like, I wasn't like, oh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Which one was that one, now that I'm trying to think of it? I can think of the other ones the surrounding one, it. That was the one where he runs into, like, the the like young kid that's, like, trying to be a, a bounty hunter. Oh, the one with uh, Fennec Shand. The Fennec Shand one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was an odd one. In fact, so I'm going to say that we're going to transition into the sixth episode. And five and six really are the two, like four, five, and six are the most odd episodes. Um, if you look at the the holistic nature of the show, because they're not dealing with the central conflict as much, especially, especially mm-hmm. six. And this, number six is the prisoner. And this was the one where you get extra credit for Bill Burr. If you notice Bill Burr being the comedian in this one. Yeah. Um, Nice so, name. what do you guys think of that name? What does it? And first of all, what do you think of the name of the show? And does it actually does it fit in this 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 se- season one, or is there is it kind of just proving that they can also do a cool one off episode? What do you think, Ray? I think like you said, four, five, and six being that they stick out. I think these are more uh, ambitious episodes that they're looking forward to having multiple seasons, so they can kind of arch off and you know in season two or season three. Remember when you rescued this guy or um when you had the gunslinger episode or even the sanctuary and if he ever goes back there i think it gives a path to it's not a completely foreign character when you see him again down the road mm. Mm. yeah that makes sense and I know that but... it'd be nice to have all action but i think they have to set stuff up so he doesn't like you said all of a sudden a new character that then he knows but there you don't need a whole background episode on them so you already kind of have that out of the way yeah, you used to see a lot more of that these kind of episodes when network television would have like 26 episodes a season, you know, you'd be like, well, we can't do we have to have some filler because the story would turn into a total soap opera otherwise. Um, and have, what I mean by that is have uh, widely varying directions, right? Like usually a show has like take Breaking Bad, for example, even even though it's a long show. It's essentially watching one story unfold. And so it tends to have the same sort of structure you might see from a movie. It's like, here's the setup. The setup takes X amount of time. Here's the conflict. The conflict will go on for X amount of time. And then here we start the resolution. Um, But a lot of episodic television doesn't do that at all. They just have an episode of the week and here's the problem of the week and that kind of thing. So it does seem like it does seem a little odd in an eight episode season that they throw in some of those because eight episodes is not that much time. And yet Mm -hmm. those episodes were still pretty compelling. So I don't know. What do you think, Tori? Yes, I agree. It actually was one of my favorite episodes. I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of world building, which I'm Mm. such a sucker for, you know, and it gave more backstory to Mando and stuff like that. So I... I don't know. I think it could be either or. And I think either or, it still kind of works for me. Like, it could just be like we never see it again. 
But on the other hand, I do feel like they did introduce some really interesting characters that do have kind of a story past with him and that have not been killed. Maybe. Maybe some are still alive, right? So I think that there is a chance we might see someone again. Yeah. So I feel like it could go either way. Yeah, it does feel like to me that they're going to bring back some of those characters and it was kind of just a one-off. Now, now here's the thing. If you're going to do episodic television, then that particular episode has to be the director in charge of it and the, the whole cast and crew has to really get behind making it really intriguing for some reason. So I really yeah. like that they took a risk to film that episode more as like a horror uh mm-hmm. style oh, yes i love that aspect of it the way it yeah. was shot brilliant yeah. i thought yeah they had i feel like they have to do that if you're going to do episodic television you have to bring some risks to the table because if it's just another you know show of the week then you run into some of the area some of the uh, issues i have with the clone war series where you're like this is a totally skippable episode and nothing interesting happens, right? Like yeah, it's that. just one off and I'm not interested. So I think that they did a good job, even though it is sort of a one off. So I'm with you guys. Um, yeah, just two things to add on that. Just, yeah. um, uh, I think in addition to it, world building and setting up for future seasons, I kind of, I kind of wonder if they were certain that the series is going to take off the way it did. I mean, I'm sure you have to be confident that it will, but, with so many people talking about Star Wars fatigue, that there's still a shot before it aired that maybe it isn't as, as good as it's as well as it's done, that maybe not everyone likes it because they're so over it. So they kind of have to have something, a little something for everyone. So that thing with the horror that kind of pulls other people in that maybe have been casual or wouldn't have watched it. Mm, and sure. then on top of that, I think the Prisoner episode specifically, it really solidifies how much of a badass the Mando is. Because you oh, kind of yeah. take it for granted that he is, but mm. I mean, on that one, when he just goes heads up with those droids and no one helps him and he gets through it, I think there's no question that he's formidable. And I think yeah. could have, you could have maybe questioned how skilled he is because you know when he's got IG-11's help in the first episode and he's got other people assisting him, but that was all him. Yeah. So there's no question about it after that. That's a great point. That's a great point. Episode seven is called the Reckoning. And episode seven, I mean, is, is I think predominantly a setup for episode eight, <laughs> right? Like episode seven doesn't even end in a way that's like has any sort of resolution whatsoever. You just feel like, oh, great. Things are just really going <laughs> bad here. Uh, mm-hmm. So what did you guys think of that? Tori, what did you think of, of the reckoning? Um, I thought it was a really good episode. I agree with you on that in that it didn't really have like an actual like solid ending like most of the other episodes did. Um, but it was really building to something greater. So I thought it was a perfect setup um, to it. And I feel like it really was kind of bringing in um, everything back, which I thought was really exciting because I feel like, you know, I knew that we we're going to see Cardoon again. I knew we were going to probably see IG-11 again. And so it was cool to kind of bring everyone together. I thought it was a really fitting name, you know, kind of talking about like reckoning is kind of like talking about like judgment, things like that. So it's kind of like, all right, this is it. This is like the ultimate judgment. Like we have to deal with this. This is something we have to deal with to kind of progress with the baby and all that. So, yeah, good take. That's a good take. What do you think, Ray? Uh, I think with the fact that they moved it up to a Wednesday release versus a Friday release, they uh, they made it a, a de facto cl- a cliffhanger season finale. Even though you know you had episode eight coming up, because mm. you have you have to wait an extra two days 
more for the next episode to see what happened. And, you know, you're sitting there waiting, making, wondering if the baby's okay, if Yoda's okay, baby Yoda's okay. And so they made, they found a way to have a, have a season finale without actually ending the season. Right. Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. So then let's talk about this last episode. So the last episode is called Redemption. And I'm just curious, uh, Tori, I'll start with you because I know that you started to throw out some things here as well in regards to redemption. Like, what does redemption mean in the context of this show? And who is redeemed? Who are they talking about that is that is redeemed by the end of season one? Um, I think that it is obviously very heavily focused on the Mando and his actions. And I do think that, like I said before, um, it's kind of, and I think, I think a lot of it may even be like kind of redemption in his own eyes, you know, mm. like I feel like throughout this episode, you see him, you know, really go to bat for the baby. You have the armorer kind of saying, you know, you've, you've earned this, like you have, you know, earned your sigil, like here's your jetpack. like have a nice day. So I feel like, you know, he's maybe kind of realizing that he's, you know, he is worthy of redemption and he is redeeming himself. Um, and I think that he is, you know, feeling better about himself after, you know, having left the baby. I do think that looking back, that kind of does seem to be what that sin was, was leaving the child, leaving a foundling that he kind of found on his own. Um, and a child that is very much where he used to be. Mm. Um, so, but additionally, you know, kind of thinking about it and thinking about the, um, conversation with um moff gideon about you know oh you're karis and theodun from alderaan you know you're you know you kind of left your ranks you're you know grief karga you're not like a savior character either i think it's kind of a little bit of redemption for everyone mm -hmm. i love it included yeah you know? yeah mm -hmm. like he's just a killer machine now here he is you know putting his life on the line for this baby i think everyone's kind of becoming redeemed in this episode mm, yeah that's good what do you think, Ray? I uh, yeah, hundred percent agree. I, I think starting with Dan Jarn, he feels redeemed um, because you know he he makes that that statement. You know, let me have a warrior's death when he thinks it's all over for him, and you know they don't let him just sit there and die. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Grief Karga, there's a bit of redemption um, as he's helping them, you know, blast out of there and escape. Whereas you, it seemed like where we last left him, or prior, you know, maybe he was a now a foe to the Mandalorian because of what happened with the, with Baby Yoda. Um, for sure, 100% IG-11 is redeemed. Um, you know, he started off as a assassin droid or a bounty hunter droid, and now he's this nurse droid to Baby Yoda, and he's he willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, to make sure he's safe. And I think another one is that um, droids in general are redeemed in the Mandalorian's eyes. You know, oh, he yeah. had this... He had this thought of, you know, I don't want anything to do with a droid. And he makes a statement, you know, that we need you. And mm. to, Aww, to where, yeah. to where the, the, the IG-11 says, you know, you don't have to be sad. And I was like, oh, I kind of choked <laughs> me up when it happened. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I think so. I think there's a redemption of just droids as a, as a general term to the Mandalorian, where maybe he, was, he realized that he was wrong. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I actually see, and maybe this is because Taika Waititi is the director and he's also the voice of IG-11, but um, mm -hmm. I feel like IG-11 is by far the most redeemed character in sure. this season. Um, I think that everything you said, Tori, about uh, the way it's working for the Mandalorian to be redeemed, I think is, is totally accurate. I think 
you know, because redemption has this connotation. We we sort of feel like we're familiar with the term redemption because it's thrown around so much in movies. But like literally, you have to do something that is you're handing in a coupon saying like I'm redeeming this thing for something else, right? So it means you're sort of turning turning something over, a coupon that you have or or some kind of thing that you have so that it can be redeemed and so that you can then get something back that so a lot of times what happens is in stories and in movies um you know a character does something really bad like we talked about uh you mentioned tori that he left the child with the imperials at first um so we we do something really bad and then how do we redeem that behavior it's like oh wow now how do what do i hand in what kind of coupon do i hand in to get something to, to get myself back into the good graces of whatever it is i'm trying to be redeemed from um and so i think like there's no character uh, ig11 was the first person that was about to kill the the child <laughs> like the in the show he was the one that had a gun to the <laughs> child's head uh and now he's the one that literally sacrificed his own life to save the child um mm -hmm. so it feels like his redemption he's turning in he's turning in his coupon and his coupon is his own life. And that's a pretty big deal. Whereas the Mandalorian has already sort of turned in his coupon and it is him basically saying, I'm going to risk my life for this child's life uh, and see what can come of that. And so it's almost like redemption is him trying to turn in the child and then her saying, Nope, you've got a foundling now that you're the dad of. And, you, but you do get your signet. You do get to have, you know, what, you know, your your symbol for for what this is so and he's in by the way there he's a tribe of two now he's a clan of two which is kind of awesome um so yeah got lots of good redemption um all almost all the characters like you guys said get redeemed uh but let's focus a little bit on kara cynthia dune from alderaan which is a big reveal for a lot of different mm -hmm. reasons because for one mm -hmm. this show takes place after alderaan is gone so she was not on alderaan um in that moment but given what we know of cara dune what's that right it's after the hottest day on alderaan <laughs> right exactly yeah 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 exactly um so tori i'll start with you on this one though what given what we know of cara dune where does she fit within your favorite star wars characters and what do you want to see from her character moving forward Oh, she's definitely up there for me in terms of favorite characters. Um, I love what Gina Carano did with her character. Um, I think she's very interesting, a very interesting type of character we haven't seen before in Star Wars. Um, I her The reveal to me was really cool because I feel like it explained a little bit about her attitudes because I feel like obviously, you know, she was a rebel shock trooper. She obviously has hatred for the Empire, but she just seems so down to just wreck them. And it makes so much more sense knowing that, you know, she really has some massive beef, you know? <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I love that. Um, and, um, I mean, I definitely, you know, we definitely know she's going to be in the next um, season, what that ends up being like. I'm not sure. I'm very interested to see what course everything takes, you know, given how things were left off. You know, she's kind of staying back with um, Grave Karga. I can't help but be slightly worried for them considering Moff Gideon's alive and still on that planet. So, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm hoping... Obviously, I want to see her beat up some more people, which I'm sure she will, because she's great at that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ray? What, where, do you, where does she fit in your in your Star Wars rankings, and, and what do you want to see from her in the future? She is up there. She is awesome. I, I like her. I really like her character. Um, they made you... I think they made me want 
wish that we had seen more of her, but I also appreciate the amount that we saw of her. So mm. it kind of just it just keeps you wanting just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I'd like to see her. I would be fine with having her own show, like a spinoff show with her. I know we talked about that earlier, but seeing whether it's her past, where she, you know, how, how she handled everything on her own when she was a shop trooper, what she did in between, all that stuff, that'd be awesome. Mm. Um, Ooh, that would be interesting. I just, I just want, yeah, I just want to see them focus on or showcase how, I mean, they have already, but showcase how, how bad she is. Like, she's awesome. She's strong. Strong, strong character. She's powerful. She's very formidable as an opponent. So I like to see a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, in that case, so I'm not asking this question about any other character. <laughs> like, I'm not asking, like, where they rank in your stuff. And the reason why <laughs> is because I see Cara Dune as a no brainer to have her own series. Like, I, I just Absolutely. don't, I don't see why they wouldn't do that with her because. I don't think I don't think that I, I love Carl Weather, Weathers in this role, but he definitely feels like he was always like a secondary character. He's always there to come up with some jokes here and there, and to kind of uh, you know do the magic and, hand thing. Yeah, I love that line so much. Yeah, um, I feel like you're looking at me when you say that, Jay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but but I think like if you take any other character, I think Cara Dune is the only other character and we haven't seen enough of Moff Gideon yet. He might be able to have his own show, but he just seems like the bad guy of somebody else's show. Um, Cara Dune is the only character where I'm like, yeah, that's a no brainer. Just green light that show. Like everyone would love that show. Um, oh, absolutely. Grief show. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> so I, I mean, her repeating blaster in this episode is fantastic. Um, we get a little bit more of her motivation about why she's doing this and why she's so scared of, of Moff Gideon in particular. Um, and that gives her just so many motivations to, to look back in, like you said, Ray, like look back into her past or look forward into where she's going to go next. I mean, sure. super, super compelling character. So I hope they do something I, with that, but yeah, I agree. I feel like she has so many different directions that she could go into with the story, like past, present, or future. So I'm Absolutely. all in. Oh, <laughs> if the CW can do it with all the DC Universe shows, I actually like 100%. <laughs> That's right. Oh, absolutely. There. Yeah, just bring Kevin Feige in. He'll have one tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Uh, all right, let's talk about Moff Gideon a little bit. Moff Gideon emerges from his TIE fighter with a Darksaber. Um, and do you think Moff Gideon, who was supposedly executed for war crimes, that's what uh, Cara Dune actually says, um, do you think he's been set up as a worthy adversary for the Mandalorian? And what do you think his overarching goal is with, with Baby Yoda? Ray, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I, I wonder if his um, supposed execution for war crimes is kind of like the, the mind flayer that Cara Dune mentions, if it was all propaganda and you know, a war propaganda that never really happened, but it kind of increased his legend across the galaxy type of thing. Mm, mm. Um, I I think he they set him up as a, a worthy adversary only because he survived. Mm. I mean, he took. We've established that the Mandalorian is is pretty badass, and he took him out with his bombs on the wing, and he still came out at the end. You know, and in classic Star Wars fashion, after everything has happened, he you know he emerges. From the rubble, so um, I, 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 I'm curious of his or his goal, why he wants Baby Yoda. I kind of had this question. I was wondering, and I maybe it was a little, I was putting too much thought into it. But if he looks like he could be 50-ish, and if he knew the the child's character when they were younger, type mm. of thing, and that's why he knows 
he has firsthand experiences of what he can do and why he has, why he's so motivated. Again, there's nothing that alluded to that, but that's just my wondering. So I'm curious as to what he wants from it. Yeah. And if ultimately if it's him that wants it or if he's been tasked with bringing it back to someone else. Right. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else could want it too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he said he said it's super important to him. He says that you don't know how much that is worth to me, so which is interesting. So, Tori, what do you think? Um, I think he's definitely a worthy adversary. I think he's really scary. Um, <laughs> and I think he's got enough kind of backstory bits and like pieces of his character that kind of work in many different ways. Like, I think, you know, his obviously, you know, imperial background, you know, in terms of baby, obviously that's a big thing. But also in terms of, you know, bringing Cara Dune back in, I feel like that adds another layer to the story and kind of she has info about him and that kind of thing. Um, I really think the biggest thing um, that I think is the most interesting is that whole Darksaber um, dealio. You know, he has this Mandalorian, you know, significant piece of Mandalorian history. And um, how did he get that? What happened? Um, I think that's a very like personal thing that's going to come up between him and Mando. So I'm excited mm. to see it. I think I think they've really nailed it as far as having a really scary good villain. So I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I love the fact that he has all that information on them. Uh, the acting, the actor choice is just phenomenal. Awesome. Oh, um, great. yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's going to be uh, I think he's going to continue to be the big the big bad guy in this show and I think he's worthy of it for sure. Giving him the dark saber I think is a perfect send off to that that show mm-hmm. and I think it also could potentially showcase that he wants Jedi powers. So of course I had a theory that maybe they were going to try and extract things from Baby Yoda to bring back Palpatine or something with Tross and obviously they did not go there. Um, so now I'm thinking well. Maybe he's not doing this on behalf of somebody else. Maybe he just wants Baby Yoda's power, or maybe, like you're saying, right? Maybe he wants extra age or whatever. But something that he could extract from Baby Yoda that would benefit just him personally, um, which mm-hmm. I think is a yes. really interesting, really interesting route to take. That so, I guess we'll see how that how that works out. I think that uh, you know when she said that he, he's a scary character, I think the fact that he's able to do all the stuff that he's doing in such a calm demeanor. And just like it's no big deal, like oh, we're gonna execute you. You have to, you have to nightfall, you, you know. And there's, it's just not a big thing. I think that makes him a lot even more so frightening. And I think that also, to me, I was watching it again earlier, and if depending on how the timelines of what everything's happens working, at at a certain point they had Baby Yoda, and they were too afraid to tell him to interrupt him because they said that you know he executed an officer for being or interrupting him that. They could have avoided the whole thing. He could have had it, but I think his reputation of being so frightening and and so and being that type of person, it, it actually worked against him in that matter because he could have actually had it had the package, his package delivered to him. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, true. yeah. They totally hyped him up. It's yeah, all, it's the, all about the hype. It's about hype. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Just like the ATST in like the fourth episode or whatever episode number it was. It's all hype. It's all hype. All um. <laughs> Now, this next question is the probably the deepest question I have on here because it goes outside the show to even just us in our daily lives. But um, we talk about they talk about the Mandalorian and they talk about this concept of the creed and and the and being a foundling. And I thought this was really fascinating because obviously race refers to biological ancestry, ethnicity refers to cultural and societal norms, and then a creed refers to a set of beliefs that one holds on to. 
um, and hopefully behaviors behind those beliefs as well. So the Mandalorians have now been comprised of all of the above during their development as a race, then ethnicity, then a creed dictating who gets to be a quote unquote Mandalorian. Two questions for you guys. The first one is, what do you think about how the Mandalorians have evolved in regards to their perspective? Because that's a, that's a pretty big change for a for a culture, for a race to make. Um, and then two, most of what we see in the U.S. today revolves around creed and ideology. It's predominantly what you hear. It's like what all of our political parties tend to espouse, like creed, ideology, religions espouse these things, uh, cultural phenomenon surround these things. My question, though, is how do we become less like the empire in regards to how we treat other people? So two questions, two part questions. Ray, I'll start with you on this one. Then Tori will go over to you. What do you think about how the Mandalorians have evolved in regards to their perspective? And then what, how, what lessons can we take from Star Wars or from anywhere, really, that allows us to work together better as people as opposed to getting too locked into to, uh, being enemies with other types of people? So what do you think, Ray? Just, just talk to so, me. As far as from the perspective of the Mandalorians and how they've evolved, um, I think they've seen that after they've been pur the purge that they've had, that they split, uh, Moff Gideon spoke of and the purge of their planet, I think they realize that there's so little numbers that it's not, it can't just be only Mandalorians. It has to be, they have to further the, their beliefs and their, their creed that they have that they realize that there's other people or other that can actually help to, to push that forward. Mm. I think that they realize that it's not about, just only you're only from man you're a mandalore you're from mandalore you're if you can agree to the creed that we have that you are one of us and you can recruit more to be that way mm. so i think I, that's one thing for that and as far as the second question um i think it the way we could make it so it's less like the empire is i think a lot of people nowadays they feel like they're always right and mm. if i'm right that means person b c and d are wrong and there's so much rigidity with that that if you're if people are more willing to have an open mind as to maybe you're right, but there's also more to your right and they can there's more to be added to it. That you know, everything's always evolving. Why can't your perspective and your outlook on things evolve? Mm. If you're if you're stuck to just, you know, a straight line of I only think this and nothing you can say is gonna change my mind, well, how do you grow as a person? How do you grow as a people? If if you are only going to show people that way, you can't. You can't. It's hard. It, how can you evolve? How can you change? Right. That's good. I like it. What do you think, Tori? Um, as far as how the Mandalorians have kind of evolved in regards to their perspective, perspective, um, I definitely I agree with some of the points that Ray made. Um, I think you know they were a very different people, very you know proud out their people, and then we had you know whatever went down with the war. Um, and so now they're kind of living in secret and I think, yeah, it's essential to their survival that they don't only, you know, they're not, um, it's, it's important for them to be very accepting of others who want to share their creed in order to ensure their survival and kind of like their survival of their beliefs. Um, additionally, I think, um, you know, foundlings are a big part of that in addition to it just being doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I think what they went through kind of open their eyes to that side of things and the struggles of foundlings and all of that. So I think that 
it really has evolved much. Um, and then in terms of like what we see in the U.S. today and um, how to become less like the empire, I think a lot of it is just kind of like being accepting and listening of other people's creeds, you know, mm. um, accepting different ways of life and realizing that not everybody is going to have the same um, creed as you do. Right. Yeah, that's good. I, I think so. I, I would look at uh, I would look at it very much like what you guys are already pointing to. Because first of all, I think the Mandalorians have had to evolve their thinking, and I and I there have been other characters, mostly in Legends, and I'm thinking about like Candorus, uh, Candorus, what is his name, Candorus Oro or whatever from uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and you would not you would not look at his character and think, oh, that's a stand up character, not the way you'd look at the Mandalorian and want to root for him. This guy seems like somebody who wants war just for the sake of war, and so he's very into the Mandalorian history of uh being warlike and war being really really important and that's not to say that it's a it's a bad part of their culture obviously if war has to come you want warriors right like yeah. but yeah. you also like don't want to promote war right like the war Just is the last war, result yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so I, I think that they have the mandalorians have had to evolve and i think when you get the armor's perspective on it you get a much better perspective um, a much better perspective of saying people who don't have tribes will welcome them into ours or clans or whatever word you want to use. Um, so I, I, I really like how the Mandalorians have developed that perspective over time. I think the we are in a weird place in society where, and actually, I, I'm going to compliment I'm going to compliment Tori on on on. We asked Tori about her perspective on the rise of Skywalker before we started the show. And she was like, well, I didn't like it. And then she also said, though, she also said, I'm not trying to bring anybody else down. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that it was necessarily a terrible movie if you really liked it. But I had issues with it. And she explained what those issues were. And I think that that's a very healthy way of handling like differences Absolutely. of opinion and differences of in creed. Because I think what we what we see on, on, on Twitter is not real. Like, like. We're, the three of us are having a conversation. None of us have met each other in person, right? Ray and I have tried a couple times, but we we failed to, to be able to accomplish <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, I think we're very capable of having a conversation where we don't agree on everything. There's no chance. There is no chance that we agree on everything. Um, my wife and I don't agree on everything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Same with me and my wife. Um, and so I think that part of part of now, if you're not if you're not living in a free society and the creed takes over and the creed says you must have our creed or you're out, that's basically the empire. And so I think we need to get to a place in society where we act more like the rebellion than we do like the empire. So we're bringing people in of different creeds and saying, well, we've got to figure out a way to work this out. And we want freedom, but obviously freedom, even freedom has its its boundaries because there are some things that we just can't accept. Uh, and I think that those are some good points to start with because otherwise it gets really shady really fast because you could make an argument that if the armorer uh, went back to a former creed of the Mandalorians, you know, take it back 200, 300 years, it could look real different and they could look a lot more like the Empire than they look like today. So it sounds like the armorer has witnessed a lot, has, has, 
has experienced a lot that has, gives her a better perspective relative to how the future of the Mandalorians should develop. And it's much more inclusive. It's much more looking out for one another. But also, by the way, not getting so involved in other things that it messes it up, right? So, yeah. um, so anyways, I I, uh, I really liked, I enjoyed that philosophical approach uh, to the show. And we, of course, we have to dig deeper into it because what we do on a lot of our shows. Um, no. Any other things you guys want to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, we never do that. Any, any other things you guys want to bring up? I think to your point, I think if they had kept that same outlook and that same creed, they may not exist anymore. And I think they adapted in that way too because they mm-hmm. ultimately they want to they want to be around. They don't. I mean, if there's no more Mandalorians, so to to have that creed, then what does it matter anymore? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the, and the point is too. The point is not that you can't have a different creed from somebody else. The point is. You can you still find a way to get along? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, and that's what it's all about. So now we're going to go into some way lighter questions. Um, and I'm going to start with you, <laughs> you, Tori, on this one. Uh, what's been your favorite weapon that's been used in this show? There's been a lot of weapons used in this show. What has uh, been your favorite weapon? Yes, um, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed, um, which I didn't see it. I, I don't know if he lost it. I don't really know. Um, the, I, I have to say this just because of like nostalgia's sake, because I have loved the Star Wars holiday special for years. So seeing mm. his pulse gun, mm. um, be kind of like a real life thing was awesome. And I loved seeing him use it in the first couple episodes. So I think that's my favorite one, but I also really enjoyed Cardoom's, um, gun in the last episode. That was really cool as well. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, Ray, what do you think? What are your favorite weapons? <laughs> So mine might be a bit of a cheat. Okay. Oh, the the entire robot himself is just a well, weaponized yeah. machine. That's yeah. Fair. So if there's a there's there's an end to where I'm getting to this. So yeah, he, you know, obviously he's really really awesome as a the bounty hunter droid. But I'm skipping forward to uh, the end where he has to self destruct and he has to do the you know where you had the Terminator I cannot self terminate. Well he <laughs> you know, he, for the for the safety of everyone else, he's willing to. That's just it's ingrained in him. Which I have questions about his manufacturing thing and his reprogramming, but whatever. But he right. gets off into the lava flow and he walks, knowing that you know he's not going to survive. He's not going to that his story ends. But he sacrifices himself and destructs self destructs himself and takes out all those stormtroopers for the benefit of them. Mm. And so I think that that as that being his weapon, I think that. That was the one that took it for me. Mm, good, good. What do you What do you think, Tori? Oh, I already asked uh, you. I already asked you this question. Didn't I? I like, well, oh, yeah, you get two answers, Tori. Go ahead. Yeah, get Tori answers. gets to pick more weapons. Yeah. No. Um, actually, the reason the reason the reason I'm calling on Tori is because literally she can answer the question for me because I had the same I had the same answer. I love oh, really? seeing the disintegrations. It's an awesome. So thing. yeah, I mean the fact that he that we saw disintegrations and that we can mm-hmm. go all the way back, like you're saying about nostalgia, we can go all the way back to uh, Empire Strikes Back. Where it's like no disintegrations, right? Like, um, and then we actually see we just the Jawas just like disintegrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See Jawas explode. Um, that was that really was cool. Wild seeing that, like physically seeing that, that was pretty crazy. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That was jarring then, for sure. It was super jarring. And then the other thing uh, that I love seeing was just the heavy, heavy repeating blaster. 
that um, Cara Dune uses. I mean, for one thing, a Gatling gun is such a cool invention. And so to take that Gatling gun and sort of turn it into a laser weapon and then the, the sound effects that it had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like she, cool. she, it was just cool. And the way that she used it was cool. And the fact yeah, that she, she was really so strong. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's just using it for like everything, like trying to get the grate open, getting yeah. the lock. <laughs> that was a default. Like, use the bow, like she's just she's perfect. Yeah, that it was, was her lightsaber essentially. Yeah, exactly. She used exactly. everything. But they had so many cool weapons in the show. I mean, just the fact that they had a, a dark saber at the end of it too is 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 really cool and sets up some really interesting things. Um. Okay, so now, what was your favorite... We had a bunch of weapons, but we also had a bunch of fights. What is your favorite fight sequence, Ray? My favorite is uh, episode 7, where um, he takes on those droids by himself. And you have the... And forgive me for remembering the guy's name or the species, but he went to go help him out, and Bill Burr stops him and says, no, let him handle on his own, because I think in his head he thought, he's going to fail and we're supposed to get rid of him anyway mm. and so and then he doesn't and he just walks away like okay i'm done where are we going now and then <laughs> the only thing you say to him is hey make sure you clean up your mess i think that that was that was definitely my favorite fight sequence yeah that was a really good one what do you think what do you think tori what's your favorite fight sequence oh i'm having some problems honestly figuring one out there's just so many i feel like one of the things about the show has been like the fight scenes have been really impeccable Hmm. um it's probably between i mean i really enjoyed that final um ending scene in the sin where you know all the mandalorians show up and kind of you know the cavalry's Hmm. here and like help them out so i think that was was a really like satisfying fight scene um and seeing him kind of like trying to protect the baby and do that um i guess additionally it would probably be um like ig11 just coming in on the bike oh heck yeah yeah, that was With awesome. Baby. Like that, that was great. So I guess those are my top two. I feel like I could pick a lot, a lot of others. I also really enjoyed um, Cara Doom's like random, weird, like tethered bar fight. Like that was also really cool. <laughs> right. So I don't know. There's yeah, that was I forgot about that. <laughs> so yeah. I have I have two that are fairly actually fairly short, but they're they're my two favorite. Um, the f- <laughs> you got another one too. Which one's yours? No, Which no, one's no, no, okay, oh, mine. Mine's easy. It's it's easy. It's when he. Uh, it's not so much a battle scene, but when he's trying to climb up the uh, the Jawas. Uh, oh, that is a cool sequence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. throwing stuff at him, and he's got a blaster with it, and he gets to the top, and he finally, nope, you're going back down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> comedic value of this. So this shows you how many good fight scenes there are because we literally none of us have the same ones. But I. <laughs> thought that the armor versus the stormtroopers oh, in this latest yes. episode was yes. amazing knocking off a helmet oh. yeah she just crumbles the the bottom of the helmet with one blow that was phenomenal mm-hmm. so i really liked that sequence and then the other sequence that i really really liked was when the mandalorian in this latest episode leaves the building for the first time he tells cara dune to cover him and he walks out he grabs a guy's gun, punches him in the face, kicks a guy in front of him, and gets shot in the Beskar from the side. I'm like, dude, that is so cool. And they <laughs> use that in their promo of the show, too. They use that in one of the, the ads for the show. And I was mm-hmm. just like, you know what? That is super cool. I'm hooked already. <laughs> so those are two of my favorite fight sequences there. But all the ones you guys mentioned are amazing. So mm-hmm. all cool stuff. Um, Now... Just quickly, I'm going to skip a couple of these questions just because there's so much stuff to cover, and I don't want to go too long on this show. But 
really quick, what did you guys think of the Mandalorian's face reveal? Um, I I think it was a really like crafty way of giving us giving me both of the things I wanted because obviously I wanted to see Pedro Pascal's beautiful face, but at the same time I didn't want him to lose his you know lose the mask and not be able to be a part of that world anymore because he was so like dedicated to that creed, right? So I think they found a really brilliant way of giving it both ways to us, right? So seeing him, his face, and having him talk to IG-11, and then also being able to still put it back on because he's not a living thing. I thought it was brilliant. Very, mm. very crafty. Yeah, well done. What do you think, Ray? Um, I like that he had helmet hair under and he was all sweaty. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was really wondering what he was going to look like underneath there. <laughs> I like that he uh, he kind of let it, not kind of, he fully let his guard down with uh, IG-11 and realize mm-hmm. that he can either, again, keep to his creed and not letting anyone see him without the helmet, even though it was not a living thing, or he can survive and let IG-11 help him and heal him. So it was it was like kind of a multi-layered thing with that. But uh, I like, and we, I think we all knew it was coming, and we kind of figured it was coming at the last episode of the season, but I like the uh-huh. way it was done was well done. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, just one more thing. Um, additionally, no, I think at the end of it all, you know, there is that whole scene with him and IG-11. And, you know, he's hated droids this whole time, blah, blah, blah. But IG-11 is kind of like, no, no, I can tell that you're sad. And I think I think it's interesting because it's like, you know, he has this disdain for these droids. But this droid mm-hmm. has seen a side of him that literally no one else has. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's very interesting. That is cool. I will say that I'm just really, really disappointed that he didn't have a mustache. <laughs> we have Pedro Pascal. Why does he not have a mustache? We need so season two. If they're going to show us the face reveal again, Pedro Pascal better have a mustache next time. The fans want it. The people want it. We need it. Let's just make sure that happens. John Favreau put it in the show. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a little bit. Um, they did it like you said, Tori, in a very crafty way, and it was accomplished what they needed to do, which was show us the Mandalorian without having him reveal his face to anybody else. But I think I still think they're gonna set that up as like being a tension in the show of like there's gonna be other times where he should be showing his face and he's not doing that as well. So I think that's interesting. Um, all right, so I'm gonna uh skip the next question I had on there and jump down to the talking about the future a little bit of what's going on here because the armor says that that the mandalorian needs to find um baby yoda's family the child's family uh who do you think she's talking about is she talking about the jedi is she talking about this yoda yaddle the child species uh is she talking about both where do you think they're going to go with this ray um that is interesting because it, she says you either he comes of age, which who knows what that means. He's 50 years old or, or you have to treat him like <laughs> you're his father. Mm. Um, and they meant they talk about the Jedi more as um, they say they're sorcerers, I think, or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Mm-hmm. So they, I think, I think they think they're essentially like Mandalorians. So they're looking at it from that frame of mind, not as uh, an order of different, you know, things that that are trying to make things better so i think Mm -hmm. that they kind of left it wide open to i think what happens is at at the very least we maybe get a name for the type of species that baby yoda is Mm. (laughs) because i don't think they've established that yet so i'm curious as to maybe there's the next season goes into researching 
what he is and his the history and all that, and then we get some more information through there, and then we it kind of branches off. Yeah, yeah, could be right. What do you think, Tori? Oh, I think it could mean either thing in terms of like what finding his kind means. She kind of, yeah, she just used the words like finding his kind. So it could be more of a, you know, force users type scenario, or maybe it is his actual species, which I think would be fascinating. I'm hoping it goes that direction just because I feel like we really don't know anything about Yoda, Yaddle, and Baby Yoda. All we really know is that they're very strong with force. I'd love to know why. I feel like that can't be a coincidence at this point. Like, we've right. met three of them, and they're all very strong. Um, but I think it could be either or on that. And I do think that that's what makes this such an interesting show, is that there is so much mystery and so much, like, uncertainty with it. Because Mano doesn't really know where he's going. So he's kind of kind of figured it up and making it up as he goes along. Um, I would think that maybe he would if he was not able to kind of nail down what planet the baby came from, maybe he would try to start searching for Jedi temples or artifacts or something like that. So that could be a very interesting path as well. The galactic library. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, first person that comes to mind is like Coruscant, right? So yeah. Yeah. It could go a lot of different ways. I'm very yeah. excited to see it. Yeah, this, I, I don't have anything new to add to that because you guys all said exactly what I was going to say. So who knows where it's going, but uh, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be really cool. Um, one, one more really, uh, one more really deep question before we pitch season two. I want you guys to pitch a season two to me, but before we do that, uh, I want to talk a little bit about IG Eleven and Queel. Because IG-11 and Quill both die in season one. There's no indication that they would be able to come back. Um, they both seem real dead. Uh, <laughs> so both characters, IG-11 for sure, but it seems also like Quill, uh, they both fulfilled their purpose. And so do you think in life it's more important for us to survive or for us to fulfill our purpose? Because IG-11 basically tells us that. He's like, I'm built to do this thing and therefore it is my purpose to do this thing. So then what becomes more important? Um, you know, we have, we, and the reason why I asked this question is we, we literally have TV shows like the walking dead, which if you're familiar with the entire, the entire philosophy behind that show is what would you do to survive? And exactly. then yep. IG 11 is giving you a completely different picture on this, which is it's not about survival. It's about fulfilling your purpose. So Tori, tell me what, what are we doing? What are we looking at? What is what's um, correct? How does it work? What what are we supposed to be thinking about here? Yeah, I think I think fulfilling the purpose is probably where I would lead to with that answer. You know, I think that it would be more beneficial to fulfill your purpose than to just constantly survive. Um, I think a lot of life is kind of living with purpose, and um, additionally, kind of that quality of life over quantity of life, right? Mm. Like, if I can accomplish what I came here to do. And then something happens, then, oh, well, you know, I did what I came to do. But to just constantly worry about survival without any kind of intention behind it, nah. Um, so, yeah. So, I definitely think that I, I loved both of those ideas of them both kind of dying with purpose mm. and fulfilling their life purpose. So, yeah. yeah I'm going with good. purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So, we have one vote IG-11. What do you think, Ray? So I kind of have a multi-tiered answer to that. So I agree, purpose, 
but so but the other thing is it depends on if you know what your purpose is or you think you know your purpose is like for mm. instance 20 years Ooh, ago yeah. my my purpose in life was a lot different than my purpose now my purpose now is make sure you know my family's taken care of my wife is safe my you know so in that in that sense if i if it meant dying for that purpose then yeah absolutely but my purpose 20 years ago was oh i want to have a lot of money i want to have you know it just depends on where you are in your life i think mm. that that is mm-hmm. a bigger issue as to you can answer that question a couple of different ways depending on where you're at mm. yeah it's good yes i do lean to I, purpose yes i agree no i agree and i think that is an interesting thought of like having your purpose evolve through life um and i think that in, in like in the in the case of IG Love and in Quill, right? It's it kind of seems almost like a, one of those split second, like ah yes, this is what I need to do, mm-hmm. kind of decision. So I do definitely don't think it's like a premeditated thing. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, I fall like one hundred percent on this will not surprise Ray because I know he's listened to us for so long. <laughs> um, I fall one hundred percent on the side of purpose, and I think. Oh, yeah. The reason why the reason why so so not and that when me saying that does not counteract what what Ray's saying. Ray's just saying sometimes we as human beings are not like IG eleven. IG eleven when he was an assassin droid knew exactly Hardwired. what his purpose was. Yeah, yeah. he was yeah, built to kill no, people, yeah. right? No yeah, and then when he was when he became a nurse droid, um, he had a very different purpose in life, and I think that uh, we would look at the first. IG 11, similarly to how we would look about how Ray talked about how his purpose has changed, which means we might look at IG 11 and go, oh, yeah, 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 that's cool. That's a really well built droid. And we might look at other people in our lives and go, like, okay, well, that's a really uh, well built, for lack of a better term, well developed person. Um, but there are people you can have a purpose in life and not be the most badass assassin droid that has ever walked the face of the earth. Like you can have distinct purposes of helping other people Mm -hmm. um, in a way like IG 11 does. You might even be just your daily job might be a nurse. Well, there that carries with it a lot of really amazing purpose. Um, And so I think that uh, I think that that's really something that you've got some wisdom there, Ray, and saying that like our purpose uh, over time needs to needs to develop. And I was recently, um, I will say this. I have had a lot of different kinds of jobs, but I was recently at an event and, and it was, uh, they were talking about like how to, um, improve the world essentially, um, which is a really big topic, but they, they were talking about it in terms of like the U S and then they were also talking about it in, in my city. Yeah, exactly. Just go do it. Um, in the city that I live in. So they're kind of approaching it from multiple different angles. Right. And I'm sitting at a table at one of the, with one of the speakers and uh, he goes, you should be able to describe your purpose in five words. And I'm like, what? What are you really? talking about? And, and then he told me, he said, you know, my wife has, has just discovered her purpose about five years ago. And this is what it is. And this is what she this is what she felt like. Um, and I then went through a process of trying to define how I would define my purpose. And it was just a really fascinating process where you go, wow, this 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 takes a lot of introspection it takes a lot of wisdom about where what i'm supposed to do it takes a lot of understanding of like well well, maybe right now i can't even fulfill my purpose because i don't have the tools available to me uh to do that so how do i work towards fulfilling my purpose and i just think that that's a really compelling really interesting question that we should ask ourselves from time to time and by the way i do think also looking 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think too, like that can change over time. You know, like we, like you just said, right? Like it can change over time. And, uh, but if, if we're mm-hmm. not paying attention to it, guess what? We'll never find it if we're not paying attention nope. to it or we'll have to stumble into it. So anyways, that's getting real deep. That's getting real deep with you guys. <laughs> Um, we do have, we do have, uh, just really quick. Cause Evan, Evan asked a couple questions here. So I just want to address those real quick. What do you guys think of the score of the Mandalorian score? Uh, so when, um, Moff Gideon is coming in for his, uh, strafing run at the end, mm-hmm. um, and the, 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 it's playing, I, I have a feeling we're going to have some YouTube videos of people doing a freestyle to that beat. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that trap beat. I, I realized after I watched it again that they played early in the episode, but I hadn't picked up on it. So uh, overall, I've dug it, but that one totally stuck out to me. And the the opening, the closing theme song, once I watched the episode, it's in my head for the rest of the weekend, all, every time. Mm, mm, mm. Which is, I guess, is a good thing for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's really yeah. good. Um, so what do you think, Tori? What do you think of the score? Um, I loved it. Obviously, I made that video dancing to it. I think, it's, <laughs> right, I think right. like the main theme is like my jam. I love it so much. But um, I really like I feel like they found a really happy medium between something that sounds like Star Wars is maybe like a little bit more on like the Western side. And then they also kind of throw in, like you said, more of like kind of like some beats and stuff like they've really made it super interesting but it does still feel like star wars to me which i think is would be, it's such a hard thing to execute so i think it's a really i love it i think it's really cool and i liked um the first time that i heard kind of like where i was like oh this is different like i like i like actually stopped it was like wow this is different was um the prisoner episode they had more of the music that kind of had that little like beat to it but i really like mm-hmm. it i feel like it still works so yeah, I agree. I, I really like it too. Listening to it all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ray. Were you going to jump in? No, no, no. Oh, okay. So I, I would say it's great. I would say the the one surprising thing, which is kind of what Ray was saying, is that it's pretty varied. Um, and Tori said it yes. too. Like, mm-hmm. there's just some parts where you're like, oh, this doesn't oh. seem like Star Wars, or this doesn't seem like The Mandalorian. But uh, it's still uh, even when even when it goes into those other themes it has never taken me so far out of the show that it really is upsetting, you know? So um, Evan has a couple more questions and we can handle those in the comments because we got to get to this last question. So it's getting really, really, really late where Tori is. (laughs) So uh, we had to let, we had to let Tori get to bed, but um, so last discussion point. um, I want you guys to pitch a season two of the Mandalorian to our listeners and to each other. So what would you love to see pitch who's in season two? What's the central conflict and where do we visit? And then what might even be a little bit of a resolution to season two, Tori, you, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I love a good, you know, kind of like treasure hunt, so to speak. So I really do think, and I hope that this next, um, season is um you know it's mando it's baby it's calling on cara dune brief carga and any of the other friends that he finds along the way when he needs their help you know a little extra um support there um i hope it's him trying to find out where baby came from maybe finding the planet where you know his kind is born um i would think that that would also have a lot to do with possibly because at this point i'm I personally, for me, I'm convinced that Baby is like a force sensitive being. So I would think that 
him kind of searching through Jedi temples and, and what have you would be his best bet on finding out maybe where baby originated from. Um, so yeah, I hope it's like a, a really fun kind of like hunt to find out um, more about baby's backstory while also um, tackling dealing with uh, Moff Gideon being hot on the trail as well. Mm. So All right. that would be mine. I dig very that. loose description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it. I like it a lot. Now, would you have, who, who are some of the main people you'd bring back? I mean, definitely Kara, Grief. I want, I want like all the main players to come back. I would love Kara, Grief, um, obviously Mando and Baby. I also think it'd be really fun to see, um, see Anne again, see that crew again that was kind of left to kind of to their own devices on that um, resistance. Um, like prisoner ship. So I think it'd be fun to have, have them catch up with him and it be another conflict. So, um, and you know, with this first season, all the different episodes that were kind of, um, one-offs, but still kind of contributed to the overall purpose. I think that's a pretty big possibility. So, mm. and I'd love to see Fennec Shan come back. Oh my gosh. I really hope she's not. Yes, please. She's like a really cool character. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Um, I feel like they almost have to bring her back at this point. <laughs> you got to do it now. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Ray? Give me the give me so, your pitch for season two. To, uh, so just to um, address your question as to who you'd want to bring back, yeah, I'd like to quote uh, Gary Oldman and the professional and say everyone. <laughs> but, yeah, I can definitely. Some of the characters so good. <laughs> um, so I have two season twos. One is go. So let me preface this by saying. As much as I love the Baby Yoda character, if they use that as the main basing the story on, they can it can hit a wall pretty soon because then it ends up becoming more fan service and actually story, or they, they have the risk of it. Um, so I'd like to see again. I know I talked about earlier, but the um, the history of you know the backstory in Cara Dune if she doesn't get her own show, um, mm-hmm. where grief Cara came from, what. The Mandalorian was doing before he ran into this bounty, hmm. um, but I know that might not that might be a little that might not happen for a season two until they can establish a full world of the Mandalorian. So I'd want him to for season two to lean into his bounty hunting skills and, as Tori said, you know, do some research as where the baby the child is from, um, find out where he has to go, but somewhere in there come across information of of Moff Gideon and instead of trying to elude him, actually pursue him mm. and develop whatever it is that Baby Yoda can do as his he's his clan of two and maybe he's what he needs to take down Moff Gideon and then end up with a team up at the end with Cara Dune helping and if it's Grief Karga and the rest of the Mandalorian Corps. But I think that's where I'd like to see it end up. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like. I really like where you guys are both going with it. The one thing I would, the one thing I would say for my pitch is that I, what I don't want to see, I always want to see the Mandalorian skirting around the sides of the galaxy. I don't really want them to try and get him involved in any any central conflicts. I think I feel like the central conflict should always relate to the Mandalorian looking out for the child, as opposed to like I don't want to see them go like, well, the Mandalorian's going to join the rebellion right now to fight off Palpatine. You yeah, know, no, like, yeah, no. we, I don't want to do that. Like that's getting too much into this, uh, like 
that uh, that assuming that everything has to relate to the Skywalker saga in some major way, I think is a big mistake for Star Wars. And so I just hope that they gear the Mandalorian show. So I want to see. Well, first of all, I want to see Cara Dune get her own show. So I I hope that she gets yes. her own show yes. and she only shows up in cameos every once in a while. Okay. She shows up, but. If she gets her own show, I don't need to even see her back in this show at all because her show would be amazing and better in a lot of different ways. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and I think that, like, I think Moff Gideon, I think, is fantastic. And honestly, like, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, I want to see more of him in that role, mm-hmm. like, acting threatening, you know? So, um, and the Absolutely. fact that he has the weaponry and stuff. I, I, here's what I would like to see I want his motivation to be that he wants to essentially turn himself into a dark side user. Well, I don't really care if he's dark side. He's definitely not going to be a Jedi. So I don't care if he's a Sith or not. I just want him to be able to be like, I want power. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I would love to see see him actually at some point pseudo accomplish his goal. Not so that baby Yoda, I don't want to see baby Yoda die because that would just kill me. I don't want to see the child die, but I, I wouldn't mind if he was able to extract a little bit of power from mm. uh, the child so that he could become even more um, intimidating. Yeah, in that way. Yeah, exactly. And I would love to see kind of that um, happen. And then I would also like to see uh, basically Bill Burr and his crew, Mayfield and his crew, yes. come back yes, in yes, some yes, way yes, yes. and try to prevent uh, the Mandalorian from finding you know who, who Baby Yoda could be related to. So... There's my pitch for season two. It's not. It's very. Uh, it's very widespread. <laughs> I don't have any specifics, um, but I'm sure that. John no, yeah, Zero, it's hard. There's so many possibilities. So there's so many possibilities. Well, well, f- let me just say special thanks to Tori. We'll close out the show here. Special thanks to Tori. She's staying up late to be on our show. Plus, she's been on a bunch of our previous shows. So, Tori, thank you so much <laughs> oh, for joining us in this. It's been awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. This we'll have you pleasure. back on. If season two will come around. We'll have you back on um, for sure. And uh, maybe even on some shows prior to that. Um, yeah, tell, tell the folks what you're up to. Tell the folks how they can find you. All that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I am, if you want to follow me on any social medias, I'm Boba Fox on Instagram and Tori Fett on Twitter. Um, excited about the new year. Getting the 3D printer. So starting some new projects. I post all my stuff on there. So, yeah. Awesome. Just working and and doing my side projects. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Please go out and support Tori. Uh, Ray, what are you up to? What do you what do you want to promote from from your end? I literally have nothing to promote. (laughs) I just enjoy the podcast. I I, okay. Well, I'll respond to you with this. Um, Do you think the Mandalorian ever ends up on Batu? Oh, dude, that. Yes, please. Can we please get the Mandalorian on the two? Can you imagine interacting with Pedro Pascal? Like, like, can you imagine interacting with the fake Pedro Pascal character in Batu? Like, that would be oh, awesome. Be awesome. <laughs> I'm super down for that. That would be amazing. Um, well, thank you, Ray, for being a Story Geeks Club member. We really appreciate you for that, and thanks for coming on the show Happy today to too. By the way, the Ray uh, came on the show like last minute. So I was like, "Hey, Ray, do you want to be on the show?" And he's like, "Sure, <laughs> I'll be on the show. Yeah, why not?" Um, I so I really up, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You wake I up to that news. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, I hope everybody out there has a fantastic end 
to their 2019 and a fantastic 2020. Uh, and in the meantime, yes. you guys will catch us on a future episode. We don't have any more episodes planned for this channel, so be sure to check out the Story Geeks channel. Lots of content coming out over there. Still some more Star Wars content, so you'll like everything that's over there as well. And then always you know, consider becoming a Story Geeks Club member like Ray, because you can actually find yourself on some of our shows, which is super fun for us as well. 